This is the BearCast, presented by Bird Culture Ford. Bird Culture Ford has been in Waco since 1936. Ford is the number one selling truck in Texas, 43 years running. The BearCast is also presented by WellMed Medical Management and USMD Health System Dallas. Here's Craig Smoke and Grayson Grundhafer. And welcome into a brand new edition of the BearCast on Sikkim365.com, 365 Sports, coming to you live on YouTube Tuesdays at around noon. And of course, uh, whenever you want to listen, uh, after the fact, uh, after we get done with the live broadcast we've been bringing you the last couple of weeks, so you can always check us out on your favorite uh, platform, whether that's iTunes or Spotify or whatever the course may be. But welcome in a, a big Rainy day in uh, Waco, Texas. Uh, great day to kind of lounge around if that's what you had in your plans, but it's just a regular Tuesday as well. So here we are, Craig Smoke with you as always, joined by Grayson Grunhafer. Got Garrett Ross behind the scenes producing as well, and uh, Jack McKenzie will probably be in and out, although I think he went to go play some pickup hoops. That's his yeah, uh, get some hoops in. regular Tuesday stop for Jack. So he's off to uh, to go do his best LeBron impression or Luke impression or whatever, and uh, here we are to talk about all things uh, Baylor Athletics. Grayson, a uh, big night last night that we'll, we'll dive into uh, at the Farrell Center, but first things first, uh, how was your week, man? How you doing? Yeah, it was a good week. I mean, obviously with recruiting the way that it is, uh, we're going to get into that. That's been kind of the busiest part of the week but you know getting to watch Baylor basketball get back on track I think has been one of those things that's been you know really fun to cover obviously as things start to shift and go in a positive direction it makes all things a lot more uh, enjoyable I think for everyone Um, and now just hoping women's basketball can get on that same path as well yeah that's uh Going to be tough, uh, given you know just the the differences in their rosters and kind of their expectations, and, and I think uh, just the, the course of, of how things have gone the last couple of weeks. Uh, certainly, one team's on the upswing, and one team is definitely on the downswing, as we will get into. So let's go ahead and start off with hoops because that's you know what season we're in right now. Although there is still plenty of football to talk about, and uh, we will have some notes on that in just a, a couple of minutes or just a few minutes. But uh, last night, a big night in Waco. Uh, big Monday on ESPN. Uh, the Baylor men having won four straight ball games. You know, sitting there inside the top twenty, welcoming in a huge opponent uh, in the Kansas Jayhawks, number nine ranked KU, uh, who has been struggling as of late. You kind of knew coming in that they weren't, you know, playing absolutely dominant ball, and so there was an opportunity with the way they were playing and with the way Baylor's been playing of like, okay, they could they could really get them here. Had the whiteout. It was an electric atmosphere, uh, and you know everybody involved should be proud, and and that's kind of what the expectation should be. But just without dwelling on that too much, like great job by everybody involved last night to to make it an electric atmosphere, and that mattered, and that played into the game, and ultimately when all was said and done, there were the Bears, their fifth straight win, and another win over Kansas, and. They didn't storm the court because, as Scott Drew said after the game, he's not sure at this point because they've raised the level so high now what it would even entail to see a court storming. And that's something I think you really hang your hat on and you're proud of as a fan base is this was an automatic court storming in years prior. Now we're supposed to do this. And last night, 75-69, Baylor with their fifth straight win, now 15-5 and on the year. And they go from 0-3 in Big 12 conference play to start off things to now five and three, and uh, man, what a what a difference that makes! What a different feeling you have now around this program at five and three versus zero and three. Kansas, meanwhile, now also five and three in the Big Twelve, and sixteen and four overall. And uh, certainly, they will, you know, go back to the, the drawing board and, and get back to it. And Baylor has no time to really breathe either. But man, they can kind of soak this in for a couple of days and uh, really. Uh, should be proud of, of how they've responded after the hole they dug themselves. Yeah, absolutely. And this was one of those performances that I just felt like was so good to see from this Baylor team. And the reason I say that is because physically, that is where they won this game. Their physicality in the paint, their physicality rebounding the basketball, the guards being physical and not just turning the ball over like we've seen this year. Um, they only turned it over nine times. Uh, that's a great sign. Uh, Kansas turned it over 15. It felt like every crucial rebound 
Baylor was getting as well. And that's a credit to, you know, Jalen Bridges having an amazing game. Flo Thamba, he only had two rebounds, but it felt like every time the ball was coming off the rim, he was hitting it out to a guard or hitting it out to a forward and uh, getting another rebound, getting another possession in that way. But I think it's pretty crazy that Baylor wins this game shooting only 37% from the floor compared to Kansas's 46% from the floor. But that all comes back to the rebounding, the turnovers. They were able to make up ground in those different ways. Um, but great performance. And also some other you know things that I found interesting. Keontae George, 2 of 11, 0 of 5 from 3, only at 8 points. Um, and they still win this game. Uh, and that's big. LJ was awesome. The first half, I think a big kind of storyline of this game, though, was also Langston Love scoring 11 points off the bench in 18 minutes. He was really awesome for them and key. Um, and then, of course, Jalen Bridges, who I mentioned, 11 points, 9 rebounds, 3 assists, 3 steals, 2 blocks. I think that what we saw from him and the way that he was guarding Kevin McCuller, and the way that he was guarding Jalen Wilson, he made things at least tough for them. Um, and his physicality, his length was a big, big reason Baylor was able to win this game. Yeah, you had uh, L.J. Cryer with 22 points. Uh, Adam Flagler with 17. Uh, but Bridges, though, uh, 11 points, had nine boards, had three, uh, had two blocks, had three steals, had three yeah. assists. So he was just kind of all over the place uh, letting his impact be felt. And, man, you talk about a guy who, when the season was first lifting off, you know, he had West Virginia fans who I I got a lot of love for West Virginia fans. They're they're pretty cool for the most part. Um, you know, there was no love lost with Jalen Bridges. And you know, it's kinda how it is. It's sour grapes and it's also like, okay, you you're leaving us, you know, you know, it's it's understandable to a degree. But there were I think a, a good number, this certainly not the I'm not broad brushing here, but there's certainly a good number of fans that when he was back in Morgantown here recently, you know, let him know that they didn't like him much anymore and let him know how to feel about that. And he goes and gets that big win. And I think he was already on his way, but I think that that just, like, we saw him get over the 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 hump uh, as, yeah. as a player. And he has just, these last couple of weeks, really uh, just found his groove, man, and, and had fit in so nicely into what they're doing and found such confidence and... You know, when they announced Jalen Bridges is transferring to Baylor, you're like, oh, man, that's a good pickup. And then again, you heard plenty of like, well, he's not that good and blah, 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 and then kind of didn't get off to the greatest start in the world. And so you're kind of like, how impactful is he going to be? And then now you see it like in this winning streak is, man, what a huge pickup that was. And now you're just wondering, like, how far can he take this and, and how far can, can they take it with him? You know, playing at a high level because, uh, yeah, he's he's been terrific here as of late. Yeah, and his defense is just, it's been huge. And I know when they lost uh, Matthew Meyer, you know, there was talks, how do you replace him? But I think defensively is a big area where Jalen Bridges is just a massive improvement for this roster. And remember, this is a roster that hasn't been great defensively uh, really at all this season. And, you know, in large part, you're starting a, a freshman who is going through his lumps at times. You know, you saw that in this game, got backdoored cut a couple times. Then LJ, who's not the biggest guard either, neither is Adam Flagler. Um, they needed someone like Bridges to bring that physicality and bring that length and uh, his wingspan and his ability to guard multiple positions. It's been huge. And, I mean, he, he was fantastic in this game. And really, their defense was fantastic in large part. Um, but I will say, like, late in the game, this felt like a game that was going to start going, okay, Baylor's going to win by 15, mm -hmm. 20 points. They just couldn't quite put it away. Um, and Kansas just kept lingering around, lingering around uh, before Baylor was finally able to put it away. But, hey, a great performance. It's tough to beat Kansas really anytime. Everyone has found it tough except for TCU last week. But most teams find it tough to beat Kansas even on their, even on their home court. Um, and Baylor found a way to get it done. And now Kansas has lost, I believe, three in a row. Kansas State, TCU, and now Baylor here. Um, and that's led to the Big 12 standings completely shifting. And Baylor's now at a position where when they were 0-3, bottom of the Big 12, no chance they're winning the Big 12, right? Well, now you look just, what, a week and a half, two weeks later, and they're sitting in a great position to still catch up to maybe a Kansas State and Iowa State and potentially win the conference again. Yeah, you got K-State right now in first place, Iowa State and Texas both a game back. They're 5 and 2 each in conference play and then at 5 and 3, uh just, you know, a half game behind those two, 
You find uh, Baylor and Kansas now, and obviously if the season ended today, and it doesn't, so it doesn't matter, but Baylor would have the tiebreaker. So technically they're in fourth place now out of the 10 teams. Then you've got uh, TCU at four and three. You'd really, you'd probably, if you just like blindly tested people of like, TCU, what place are they in? You'd probably hear like second place or, you know, no, they're actually just four and three in the conference uh, despite being ranked, you know, the third highest in the league uh, behind K-State, who's now number five, and uh, Kansas, who's who was at number, or is at number nine for the rest of this week, but will obviously uh, probably slip a little. But yeah, you've got K, uh, K-State, Iowa State, Texas, Baylor, Kansas, TCU, uh, Baylor of those schools, the lowest ranked at number 17. Mm-hmm. So take care of your business this weekend, and you'll obviously jump up. But uh, yeah, then Oklahoma State, when you start getting into the sub-500, Group uh, Oklahoma at two and five, West Virginia one and six, and Texas Tech zero oh and seven. Already six games back of Kansas State in the Big Twelve standings. And not a single team below five hundred or at five hundred. Everyone's at least a game yeah. over five hundred on the overall season. That is just simply insane. Very curious to see. You know, as the season progresses, could like a six win team get into the tournament? Like, is that even possible? But with the, the way that it looks, I mean, if Tech won six games here, went six and five the rest of the way, their record's probably not good enough. But a few of these other teams, like if TCU went six and 12, which they won't, but they could get, I mean, there's a chance. You could make an argument with the way the league is. Um, I also think we need to mention, I know this game against Kansas is the one that's fresh on everyone's mind, uh, but don't forget that this week, Baylor went on the road, beat Tech in Lubbock. They also went on the road, beat Oklahoma in Norman. Um, So they're able to get two road wins out of the way. Uh, Those were massive wins that I think people kind of forget about because of the Kansas game. Uh, But the Bears able to really get things done this week. And like you said, that's now five in a row. Um, And with three of these coming on the road, that's a that's a great start now to conference play. And they're starting to turn things around. You're seeing it from everyone. There's a lot more confidence, a lot more joy as Scott Drew talks about on this roster right now. Yeah, one more thing to uh, just kind of touch on, but uh, Cry and Flagler, what a duo that's become, combining for uh, 39 points last night. Cryer with uh, 22 to, to lead the way for the Bears, uh, and then Flagler there with 17 as well. But uh, combined for 7 of 20 from, from three-point range last night. Um, and uh, got a little active on the boards as well. But uh, what a, you know, Keontae didn't have his mm-hmm. best game. And uh, these two, you know, a lot of talk last night about, uh, you know, the backcourt for the Bears and just how, how good they are and can be. And, and, you know, long way to go. But that's also what's pretty exciting about seeing, you know, performances and uh, efforts like last night and what we saw against Oklahoma or what we've seen really throughout the last couple of weeks as they've been on this win streak. This was the expectation, was it not? <laughs> when the season started, yeah. everybody's like, oh, well, we better adjust expectations a few weeks in there. And, and now it's like, okay, this is what everybody was, was expecting when this all started to come together. Yeah, and I mean, when you kind of look at things, their bigs didn't score a lot. Flo and Josh O and Caleb Lohner combined for six points. And Keontae George scored eight points and was two of 11. And Baylor still scored 75 points. That just tells you how explosive they can be. LJ, I believe he had 19 in the first half. So it might have been 17, 17 or 19. But he was awesome in that first half. Really propelled them to that halftime lead. Then they were able to kind of not coast in the second half, but just kind of keep Kansas at bay um, in the second half. But that's how explosive they are. And that's like you said, that's exactly what they can be going forward. And even when one of their guards isn't having a great night, you look around, you go, okay, who can you get production from? Well, how about Langston Love, who has really stepped up his game and been much more assertive, much more aggressive. That's been great to see. And I, I think this is one thing that Baylor fans have to be really intrigued by, and that's the fact that usually when you get to March and you get to tournament time, it's guards that win national championships. And so Baylor's in a position right now where you see that they have the guards to score and really make an impact when it comes to March. Um, and who knows? Maybe they're able to make a run. They just need to keep on improving, which they've done so far this year. Yes, they have. Uh, so, man, what a run it's been. Five in a row. Uh, sitting pretty and uh, sitting much better than they were just a couple of weeks ago or two and a half weeks ago at this point. And now a little break in the Big 12 schedule as 
They will welcome in the Arkansas Razorbacks later on this week, uh, on Saturday, uh, to be exact. And uh, Arkansas, you know, a team they're pretty familiar with, but one that struggled uh, as of late. They did win their most recent game, but prior to that, uh, prior to beating Ole Miss this past Saturday, I've uh, been on quite the slide. Lost four games in a row in SEC competition, and it lost what five of their last uh, seven games, uh, including this past win. So it lost uh, four or five previously. Um, or five of their last six, and then and then won this past Saturday. So they've been on a little bit of a slide. Uh, so SEC Big 12 challenge uh, ought to be interesting to see the Razorbacks come into town. Not quite the matchup maybe you expected at one point in time, but that'll still be a tough one. So we'll see. Six in a row would be absolutely huge for this ball club. And, um, yeah, a good little test upcoming with the the Piggies on, on uh, Saturday at the Ferrell Center. Yeah, and they're 0-4 on the road. Arkansas is so they've really struggled on the road now one thing to keep in mind um, I believe they suffered a huge injury to Nick Smith early in the year and that's really changed their season Uh, through the first five games he was their second leading scorer now they don't have him and I think they've really struggled because of that Um, also we'll get to see a a Baylor legacy in Anthony Black Mm -hmm. on the other side of the court for uh, Arkansas of course his dad Terry played at Baylor so that'll be an interesting matchup to see him versus Keontae George on Saturday. It should be a fun one. I'm expecting Baylor to win that game. Uh, I think they should win fairly handedly, like by eight eight or so points is kind of what I'm expecting. Well, just a few uh, notes, just a couple of notes from the, the media uh, release we got after the game, uh, the, the game wrap, game book, uh, if you will. Uh, there were several, you know, little stats that you know, come in these packages after every game, but there were some that were, you know, quite notable. Um, Five consecutive games, we already knew all of that. But Baylor, 12-1 versus top 10 teams in the last three years. 10-4 uh, and four in home games against top 10 teams over the last 10 seasons. 25-8 um, and eight versus the top 25 in the last four seasons. Um, let's see here. 49-5 and five in home games over the last four seasons. I mean, I could keep going, but there's... There's some impressive numbers and some impressive stats that I don't always sit and take the time to really focus in on because it's just numbers and numbers and numbers, and you can massage those things if you want to. But, I mean, just after a while, you have to give credit where credit's due. And I look at this uh, after last night, and I start to go like, oh, man, let's pay a little more attention to these because it's awfully impressive what Scott Drew's done. That goes without saying. I mean, he's got the trophies to, to show it, but they really are in a special run right now when you talk about beating ranked teams and just having success at the Farrell Center and all those things. Uh, there's a lot of marks like that. 49-5 and five in home games, the last, you know, so on and so forth. So, man, enjoy it. It's, uh, it's fun when they're, you know, when the outcomes are fun. And right now, uh, a nice little win streak for uh, this Baylor men's team. So, Arkansas coming up this weekend. We'll see uh, how that shakes out. But uh, would not be surprised to see them win number six. And then, uh, obviously, the rest of this Big 12 schedule to go, which means uh, a lot more of uh, the grinder and a lot more uh, top 25 matchups and top 10 matchups. I mean, just looking ahead, you got Texas again, TCU coming up here in a couple weeks uh, later on in the month. Kansas, Kansas State on the road back-to-back. So uh, no no rest for the weary here. But, uh, man, what a win last night. 75-69, Baylor beats Kansas. And you know what? That's not, like we mentioned with the storming of the quarter, lack thereof, uh, beating Kansas now. It's not like that's just an automatic, but that's something that's not, you know, uh, nearly as, as uh, bizarre to see as it, it once was when – they never could beat Kansas, and now right. it's just becoming kind of a, a common thing. First uh, time they've ever won two in a row yeah. against Kansas. Yep. So, I mean, there's the stat for you. That's yeah. a great stat. I mean, things have definitely changed um, in that rivalry. Now, I will say, uh, what, Baylor still only won at Kansas once, right. I think. Um, that was the year that they won the championship. Or, no, I'm sorry. It was the year before. 2020, I believe, is when it was. I don't need, yeah, because they lost the year they won the championship. They lost on the road. Um, so I'm curious. They play them again in February. Kansas right now looks like the team Baylor looked like just a week and a half ago where they're in this slide. They're on this slump. So I'm curious if Kansas can get things fixed. My inclination is that they will. I, I still think they're a pretty good team. And honestly, kind of sitting back, looking at the rest of the Big 12, I still feel like Baylor and Kansas are the two best teams in this conference. I really do. Uh, We'll see if things unfold that way. Uh, But that's kind of where I'm at still with those two programs, even though they're technically in fourth and fifth right now in the Big 12. 
All right, so meanwhile, uh, Arkansas, like we mentioned, coming to the Farrell Center on Saturday. We'll see uh, what happens with the win streak and, and where that goes from there. But on the flip side, the Baylor women with a mixed bag as far as results last week go. Uh, got the blowout win over Kansas State at the Farrell Center, 69-48 to last Wednesday. And then this past Sunday, uh, disappointed at D.D. Richards, uh, former star, uh, for the uh, Baylor women uh, in town, uh, Miss Fashionista uh, and uh, just a electric personality. She was back uh, in her college, uh, you know, in her old college digs, and I think a lot of people were were happy to see Dee Dee. Unfortunately, could not deliver a win uh, while she was in attendance, falling to uh, the Longhorns, sixty-eight to fifty-five, uh, and. I don't know, Garrett, was this final score a 13-point loss indicative? I know it was closer at times, uh, maybe didn't feel close at times. I don't know. Where are you uh, coming out of last week for uh, the Baylor women going one and one? I think there's definitely some cause for concern here. Um, And not only was DD in town, you had Brett Yormark front row with – Sitting side by side with Mac Rose, taking it in. So you had the you had the stage set. You have the national televised game. ESPN two's in the house, and you just can't deliver, man. And um, I think when you look at it, if Sarah Andrews isn't scoring the rock, nobody else is going to. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was really concerning. And eventually, once the fourth quarter, it was really at the end of the third quarter. Jamie Asbury got a shot to go in, and she kind of carried the momentum over into the fourth quarter where she dropped seven. But other than that. There was no scoring. Um, there's really kind of a lack of effort at times. Um, Jaden Owens is really concerning me because earlier in the year, you could see she's great facilitating the ball. Her court vision's excellent, but the shots weren't there. And I asked about it, and it was kind of played off, and it's like it's gotten worse. So you look at this game against Texas that she scores no points. She has multiple turnovers and multiple fouls. And then you have Jana Van Guytenby come in, and she can – she put up five, so it kind of makes you wonder, like, I mean, what are you going to do here? Obviously, you know, Jaden's established, but that's something to keep an eye on. Um, Kalen Bickle is – she really is the only person other than Sarah that consistently brings the energy. She had ten rebounds. She's had double-digit boards in the past two games, but it's what she does away from the ball, drawing the charges and stuff that is really impressive. Um, the shots the, – the, to me, I think – and I've said this before, but if you look at Texas, they had four players – and with like four fouls, they were able to get one of uh, their big post to foul out. But when they get in those situations, it's like they don't take advantage of it. To me, you should go at the player, see if you can get that fifth foul, and then make a run for it. And then about three and a half minutes left in the game, uh, Texas guard Rory Harmon goes down, and they're still not able to take advantage of it. Um, it's just one of those things where it's it's disheartening, I think, for a lot of Baylor fans, and it's understandable. I know that. Um, you had Caitlin Bickle and Jaden going out across campus, really rallying to get the the bear pit going and get the crowd in. The fans showed up, and you know, I, and you can see a lot of discerning discerning faces as the game's playing out. And I know there's a lot of blame going on Nikki Collin, a lot of finger pointing, and obviously when you have LSU doing what they're doing, there's so much focus on that. But people need to understand, in my opinion, it doesn't matter who was going to replace Kim Mulkey. Replacing a legend in any facet is extremely difficult to do. Nikki Collin is an excellent coach. She's dealing with a, a roster that she's still trying to put together. There's been so many injuries. You just can't expect anybody to come in and fill that void. I mean, we see it across the board. Look at Duke this year. You know, you can't just replace a Coach K and keep chugging along. That's not how it works. Um, I think there's going to be some they, – they need to be do some soul-searching uh, Nikki said that they because they have the the midweek bye this week before you go to Texas Tech on Saturday. So they, she said that we're going to hit the recruiting trail. I think you've got to get bigger, you got to get stronger, and you got to find players with that dog in them because they just do not have that right now. Yeah, and I think some of that's reflective of their coach too. I think you know when you talk about the comparisons to Kim, and those are right. going to always be there. Like everybody's used to the pit bull, yep, and everybody's used to like having no fear and punch him in the face, you know, and yeah. that whole thing. And Nikki is more of a, a little more sensitive and more, um, I guess, uh, laid back, laid back, yep. and and not as fiery, so to speak. And also that also helps when you win because you know fiery would get real old if you're losing games. Oh, then, yeah. then you just turn into a you know what you know like, and so there there's always going to be that 
that uh, you know risk that she runs anytime they're not winning of having to all of a sudden open the door to that whole aspect of that that position as well, which is unfortunate. But she also knew that coming in, absolutely, and and she knew what shoes she was trying to fill, and and so you know much like Dave Aranda seemingly has to be compared to whatever's going on in Lubbock, Texas, or, you know, uh, Matt Rule had to be compared to what happened previously. Or, there's always these constant comparisons. Uh, Scott Drew to now Jerome Tang. Now we got to do that comparison all over again. It does get really old. You wish you could just focus on, on what it is, but you're right. It doesn't help that LSU's, you know, uh, perfect right now and, and doing their thing. Um, and, it, you know, it doesn't help that you're so used to beating Texas and now that's not even a given anymore. And I think that's... That's also a bit concerning is it's not even that great of a Texas team. No. Like, the Big 12's not even that good, quite frankly. I mean, there's... I, I remember beat the best team in the Big 12 already. Yeah. Like, yeah I mean, I mean, right. there's, like, what, two top 25 teams? Yeah, I believe Iowa State, Oklahoma. I believe, yeah. And that's it. Yeah. And that's it. So, like, I know, like, a, a month ago, it was like, man, the Big 12's so deep. And now you look up and, like, really, are they? I don't know. Everybody's kind of... It's like two top 25 teams here. But, Grayson, uh, a great rundown, Garrett. Thank you for... Mm-hmm for uh, kind of giving us your, your thoughts on, on the Baylor women coming out of this weekend and the loss to Texas. But uh, your, your thoughts on, on what he had to say or just, you know, what you see yourself uh, with, with Nikki Collin and company. Yeah, I, I really think this all comes down to talent and options. And Baylor, I think, is lacking that. And a big part of it is when you don't have Dre and you don't have Asia Blackwell, two girls you were thinking were going to be big-time scores for you. And you look at this game, you see Sarah Andrews with 19. And um, he's right, man. That's feast or famine. Like, if she's not doing right. something, they have nothing. But yeah. She had 19, and Jamea Asbury had 13, and then just hardly any production right. outside that. Then you look at Texas, and you see five players in double figures. They just had versatility and more options to score the basketball. Baylor doesn't have that right now. And when you don't have options, you become really predictable. And I think that's what's happening. They're extremely predictable on the offensive side. And so while Sarah Andrews can have great games and carry them at times, they really need more uh, people to just make shots and put the ball in the basket. And then also, like Garrett said, play hard because – Truthfully, they're not going to out-talent a lot of teams right now. They're going to have to outwork a lot of teams, and I, I think that's kind of the area that they're trying to work through at the moment. Good news is, like you said, the Big 12 has a lot of winnable games, and if you look at Baylor's schedule going forward, there's still a lot of games that you got to feel pretty good about um, on the schedule, so we'll just see if they can take advantage of them. Yeah, uh, as it sits right now, Oklahoma, number 14 team in the country. They're 6-1, and 16-2 and two overall. And you got Texas at 5-2, and two, uh, Iowa State, number 18 at 5-2, and two, uh, West Virginia at 4-3, and three, Baylor at 4-3. and three. So right now, Baylor uh, sitting there with West Virginia tied for, you know, top five spot, tied for third overall. But, yeah, two games back of, of first place and just two teams ranked in the top 25 uh, with with 14 uh, ranked Sooners and 18th ranked uh, Cyclones here, but yeah, I mean, I think that, that Garrett laid it out nicely, and I do hate it though. Caitlin Bickle's having such a fantastic year. I mean, she really is playing her butt off and uh, playing really well. So hopefully, people are appreciating her efforts because she decided to come back. That was massive for her to come back, and uh, you just hope the impact is is uh, shown and reflected in the standings when all is said and done. But, yeah, got to be better. And I know it's frustrating, uh, but big opportunity wasted uh, this past weekend in the loss to uh, UT. So now they will hit the road later on this week and get some time to kind of decompress and practice a bit, uh, you know, whatever they think uh, is is in most need of fixing and correcting and, you know, revamp this thing a little bit and take advantage of the the breather and uh, hopefully go out to Lubbock this weekend and and grab themselves a win because uh, that's what's up next, a afternoon uh, game against the Red Raiders who are, I believe, uh, what were they? I just had their standings in front of me, but they are not very good as far as... 15-5, 15-5, and five, I think. Yeah, okay. I was, yeah. I was thinking of TCU, actually. TCU's over. Uh, but Texas Tech, yeah, 3-4 and four in Big 12 play and 15-5 and five overall. Uh, yeah, I'm glad I checked that because TCU's 0-7. That's who I was, I was yes. thinking of. But, yeah, Texas Tech 3-4. and four. So that's coming up this weekend in Lubbock. We'll see. Uh, but the Baylor women uh, still, you know, within striking distance. But that was just a tough loss to Texas. So, uh, elsewhere, um, 
football-wise, Grayson, recruiting uh, was on the radar this past weekend. Uh, fill us in on where we are with that. Like as far as personnel moves, like nothing really to report except for actually there is a, a personnel move to report. Although this was an exit rather than a uh, than an entrance. Uh, excuse me, uh, there was another personnel move to report at the quarterback spot. I don't think we talked about that last week, did we? Uh, R.J. Martinez, I think that was after. So we got to talk about that, but I also wanted to make mention, Squirrel Williams announced his destination yesterday. Louisiana Mm -hmm. Tech uh, is where Squirrel will be heading, so playing for with Sonny Cumbie down there uh, at uh, in Ruston. Uh, so it was great to see him make his decision. He had a tweet, said new beginnings in the, the graphic, wearing the baby blue Bulldogs jersey. And so just very excited for him. Uh, he's a huge fan favorite around here, obviously, and uh, just wish he could have been healthier. And uh, I think that's everybody's wish when it comes to, to Squirrel. But best of luck to him at Louisiana Tech and just uh, – yeah, that's that's a great fit for him. That's a I great think. fit. He'll, he'll be very productive there as long as he's healthy. He's always been productive at Baylor when he's been healthy. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be cheering for him. I think I think pretty much every Baylor fan will be cheering for him at Louisiana Tech and very happy he's not in the Big 12. <laughs> yes, very happy he's not in the Big 12 as well. And I think that was also an easier pill for people to swallow was they just automatically expected he was going to go to Texas Tech or, you know, gonna, or even Nebraska yeah. and go link up with Matt Rule. But... Uh, he is going to LaTeX. So best of luck to Squirrel Williams. Meanwhile, just mentioned uh, there was a personnel note. R.J. Martinez, a surprise, land at quarterback. We knew the Bears were in the hunt for another quarterback after Landon Sawyer-Robertson a couple of weeks ago from the transfer portal. Uh, so they've gone from what was Blake Shapin, and then they were hoping and expecting it to be Austin Novosad to – uh, no quarterback on signing day and being in a bit of a lurch and having to scramble to go re-fill uh, that room, basically, just to have bodies for spring ball. But Grayson, they go out and get Sawyer Robertson, and so you answer a couple of questions there as far as bringing in a young guy, basically the equivalent of signing a guy just a year after signing day. Uh, but now also going to the well to grab uh, another in R.J. Martinez, uh, who's got a bit of playing experience under his belt, uh, coming completely off the radar because I think a lot of eyes were on, you know, other transfer names and uh, certainly, um, what was it, uh, uh, Jebby uh, from uh, Oregon State was one of the names that was out there. He ends up going to Ohio State, um, and so that was kind of a curveball that was thrown, and you wondered, okay, well, what direction do they go now? Where was R.J. Martinez on your radar, and what do you think about the young man from northern Arizona? Yeah, so, I mean, if you're on the premium side, you kind of knew this because I – kind of messaged about it a week before this happened, just kind of, hey, keep this guy on your radar. He is talking to the Baylor staff, and then you fast forward a week, and he is committing to Baylor. Now, he is a walk-on, so first of all, that's great for Baylor because you're saving a roster spot at least for the spring uh, by not putting him on scholarship quite yet. Uh, You're also getting a guy who has played a lot of football, which is another positive. Uh, He's played 19 games during his career at Northern Arizona, thrown for 4,590 yards, 30 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, um, completing 64% of his passes, and he's also rushed for 13 touchdowns on the ground. Uh, So highly productive, uh, was an all-big sky uh, freshman of the year uh, during his first year at Northern Arizona. Uh, Like I said, two seasons of playing experience, so he'll be a junior coming into this next year at Baylor, and once again, a walk-on. I, I think this is the perfect dad. You're getting a guy with a ton of production. He's not even taking up a scholarship spot. He could come in and compete right away because he, he's done it at the college level, just not the FBS level. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, could it get any better? I, I really don't know that it could have outside of bringing in, you know, maybe a veteran guy like Jebia, but there you're using a scholarship. Uh, so here you're not. Uh, I'm very intrigued by this. I think this is kind of one of those perfect fits as your third-string quarterback. And a perfect fit is a guy that hopefully, maybe one day he develops into the guy. Who knows? That's possible based on his production. Uh, he's only six foot, 185 pounds, so he's not the biggest guy. Uh, oh, so he'll fit right into Baylor quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah, well, outside of Sawyer now. Sawyer Robertson, oh, a little bigger, but, uh, but you're right. Yeah, he's going to come in and be a guy that, has constant production, and also I think he fits in really nicely with their depth chart. So, yeah, great pickup in R.J. Martinez. So give me a rundown here real quick. You got Blake Shapin, who's got, what, uh, two years remaining? Two years, yeah. 
Sawyer Robertson's got three, three years remaining, and now with R.J. Martinez has two years remaining. Two years remaining. Yeah, I believe I believe that's right because he wouldn't have been twenty twenty. Yeah. So, yeah, so so like I said in uh, the good, bad, the ugly column the other day, I, I guess the the amazing part is to go from just the pit of despair people were in post-signing day with the the Novosad debacle and like oh my gosh what are we gonna do and everybody knew you could like go fill up in the portal but I think this had to exceed expectations outside of just the unrealistic expectations that some people set like let's go get Quinn Ewers you know like I mean it's like just the stupid stuff that people post sometimes but like if you're being realistic pretty nice rebound and not only a pretty nice rebound but you've like got your quarterback room now set up to where you don't have to do this all over again in the offseason and then all over again the following offseason or, you know, like every semester having to readjust this thing. So long as everybody just does what they're supposed to, you've got a full quarterback room, you sign a 2024 quarterback, and you're back in business mm-hmm. depth-wise in that room without really skipping too much of a beat. It's certainly in a better position than you even were really – I mean, I guess this past year you had Luke Anthony and he had some experience and you had Kyron Drones. I think they're, but in a not that spot. different. Yeah, I, I mean, I I think because I think Sora Robertson's an upgrade over Kyron Drones. I think Blake Shapin a year, you know, a year removed from last season is going to be better. And then you're getting R.J. Martinez, who I think has more upside than Luke Anthony does. And you're not even having to use a scholarship spot at this moment. I I think they're better than they were a year from now, which I don't think people would have thought was possible uh, if you weren't really tracking this. Maybe, I don't know, at the end of the year, I think a lot of people had doom and despair about the quarterback room, and now I think everyone should feel very comfortable that they have the guys that could come out and allow them to uh, compete for a Big 12 championship. I I think they have those guys. Yeah, um, congrats to Tristan Jebby on getting that Ohio State offer. That was pretty surprising and like that was a guy you thought maybe could be headed but hey I don't blame him for for one to head to Columbus and uh see what happens out there but um yeah I kind of wondered after that but here comes RJ Martinez to answer the question so welcome aboard and uh, look forward to covering him and now some pretty huge questions answered for this offense uh especially that that quarterback room so that's huge not only for right now but moving forward the next couple of years uh they've they've really done a great job of of rebounding from uh, signing day. So there was that. We already talked about the coaching additions. The staff's now finalized, barring anything else. And there could always be, you know, knock on wood, a coach in the spring ball. Like, that happens. Uh, But everybody kind of in line now. We talked about A.J. Stewart and the addition there, as well as on special teams. So uh, quarterback room, check. Coaching staff, check. And really now it's just the transfer portal, but that's check for right now because it's closed up and they've already made double-digit additions and subtractions. Um, not done there, um, but like just let's just reset the table now and where are they as far as priorities during this time period, pre-spring ball, uh, post-signing day, but still with the second signing day coming up here in a couple of weeks. Where Where is everything as far as Baylor recruiting goes? Yeah, right now, a lot of this is just geared towards getting focused on the 2024 class because they just don't, they don't have a lot of room right now. I think that after spring ball, you might see more movement. I think that seems far more likely than a ton of additions or subtractions at this very moment. Um, just simply because guys, I think, now have an opportunity to go into spring ball, compete, figure out where they are on the depth chart, and then make decisions uh, based on that. Um, so yeah, like I said, I think 2024 is the area to really focus on right now. Um, could there be a late edition? Maybe, but I'm not really counting on it at this moment. Okay. Yeah. So I guess 2024 side, I, I think before we get into a couple junior day notes, I guess we can kind of just yeah, talk just about that a little bit, that. but I do want to talk really quickly that Baylor had a visitor on Sunday, um, a four-star quarterback, uh, Walker White out of Little Rock Christian Academy. Uh, He's kind of their, at least right now, their only target at the quarterback position because the other guys have committed, the other offers they have out. Um, And then Dylan Riola, as I've mentioned, is not going to come to Baylor. So, (laughs) yeah, so I mean, 
Walker White. I'm going to start that storyline. I'm going to get people's hopes all pumped up for Dylan Rayola to come to Waco. Yeah. No, that's not happening. And so that pretty much has them at this very moment out on all their quarterback offers except for Walker White. And so he visited over the weekend, has a great relationship uh, with Sean Bell and Jeff Grimes. And just getting to talk to him yesterday, um, we exchanged some messages. He, He had a great visit. And this is his second trip in the last two months. Um, he visited for the TCU game, uh, which was a great game, very close game that Baylor obviously lost, but he seems to be a nice fit for what they're looking for. He's 6'3", 215 pounds, uh, had 41 touchdowns this year with 16 of those coming on the ground, so he can run it a little bit as well as throw it. Um, and is a guy who right now, as things sit, told me he doesn't have any official visits planned, uh, but that if he has the opportunity, that Baylor will 100% get one of those visits. Um, so something to keep an eye on there, as this would be a huge addition. He's a top 100 player in the entire country already. Uh, will likely be an Elite 11 type guy uh, when we start getting to that that point. Um, and his offer list is insane. So I'll get to that in a second. But he's got a visit to Clemson coming up this weekend. Uh, visited Baylor this past weekend as well as A&M. Uh, currently 24 offers. A couple of the offers that he has. Auburn, Clemson, Ole Miss, Texas A&M, Oklahoma, TCU, and Alabama. So plenty of competition. But Baylor right now in a very, very good spot. Thanks to those relationships he has with the Baylor coaching staff. All right, sounds good there. Uh, where are we as far as just the rest of it goes? Junior days and, and whatever else might be on the horizon here. Yeah, so I mean, junior day is kind of the the focal point right now um, because they're kind of getting ready for that, getting ready to have a bunch of visitors on campus. I think my list currently, we're getting close to 30 names on that list. And of course, there'll be a couple guys most likely added uh, later on in the week, I would assume. Um, so I think they're going to get to 30, maybe 35 guys on this trip. It's pretty much 2024 guys only, but I do have four names on the 2025 list right now, including a name I added today, actually, South Oak Cliff linebacker Kelvion Riggins, uh, one of the best players in the entire country in the 2025 class. Um, He's the guy to keep an eye on. He'll be visiting over the weekend. Uh, Baylor commit. Jaden Porter out of Lorena, he'll be here as well. He's the only commit in the 2024 class. Uh, But just kind of looking over the grouping here, tons of linebackers visiting. That's an area Baylor has to address, and tons of safeties. And I think both those positions, I think everyone would say, is a position of need going forward uh, in this 2024 class. So I would keep an eye on that. Guys like Ty Anthony Smith out of Jasper, he's been a big name to keep an eye on just as far as having major interest in Baylor and being a really, really good football player, a four-star type guy there at the linebacker position. And then safety, a name to keep an eye on is Aaron Flowers, uh, the safety out of Forney. A really good player, has visited a ton, loves Baylor a lot. Um, He's a four-star guy and would be a great pickup for the Bears if they're able to win out a battle for him as he's kind of blown up a little bit. Um, And then kind of a, I think, an interesting storyline for us to keep an eye on is uh, China Spring athlete, Graydon Grimes. He got an offer this week, the son of uh, Baylor offense coordinator Jeff Grimes. A Graydon, a good athlete, plays tight end. Um, I kind of see him more as a defensive lineman in college, maybe even an offensive lineman if he gets big enough, but a very good athlete um, and a guy who obviously you know has been coached really well with his dad being Jeff Grimes. He's visited Baylor a ton. He'll be back this weekend. Um, but outside of that, really good list. I'm trying to think if there's anyone else I want to mention. Oh, Ridgepoint wide receiver Mason Dossett. His dad, Martin, uh, ran track at Baylor and played football at Baylor. Um, and he's another guy who basically it's a Duke versus Baylor battle right now. Um, and I anticipate uh, kind of Duke or Baylor uh, winning out for him right now. I think he'd be a guy that I, I feel pretty strongly about becoming a Baylor Bear, and he loves the Baylor program, has had a lot of success there at Ridgepoint. Yeah, if he's from Texas, too, and a legacy, I would sure as heck hope they can beat out Duke for him. So you know who his connection is at Duke? Coach K? No. <laughs> yeah, right. No, Trooper Taylor, who uh, actually yeah. played with his dad at Baylor. So there's a yeah. big family connection there, obviously. So they're going to get a visit from him. But, I again, I think Baylor's in a great position there, and they actually offered him for track as well. So he's been getting recruited there, uh, too, some. 
by uh, by that staff. So there's more visitors who will be on campus. I have a few predictions in on the premium side, so be sure to check that out. But I think this is going to be a very productive weekend uh, for the Baylor coaching staff. I'm really excited for it. Lots of really intriguing names on this list and some late additions that will hopefully add throughout the week. So if you want that list, of course, you got to join the premium side uh, for all those names. Yeah, and uh, that's the place you can go to just have discussions about whatever, uh, you know, regards to Baylor athletics or Waco or your time at Baylor, or, you know, what what have you. Yeah. Favorite dorm hall and all that kind of stuff. I mean, whatever you can think of. Um, yeah, that's a great spot to go over to the premium section and uh, not only have some conversation with, with fellow Baylor folks and fans, but uh, also uh, find out some, some news that's not – for Twitter or for, you know, Facebook or Instagram or whatever, some of the behind-the-scenes dealings going on that not quite fit just yet for public consumption or, um, you know, just some some things that are in the works that are, aren't fit for publishing just yet, uh, some of the scuttlebutt behind-the-scenes, news, rumors, all that good stuff. Uh, that is your one-stop shop, the Sikkim365.com premium section and we don't have days yet for spring ball and imagine we'll get those here pretty soon but you got junior day this weekend and then what's the rest of the schedule look like as far as any further if you know yeah, what I mean. so there's a dead period starting in february so that's right. going to kind of just absorb the entire month and then of course March. as you've seen the the transfer portal stuff just completely grind yeah. to a halt right now and that was just like every day there was just boom 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 but yeah since that closed mm-hmm. up technically yeah we've Kind of, kind of gotten quiet a little bit. Yeah, but. and there's another window in May, I believe, yeah. where guys can officially enter the portal. Post-spring so ball. Yeah. yeah, so that's where you'll see, again, more movement there. Uh, but outside of that, I mean, it's just dead period coming up. Spring ball in March. I think Baylor will likely have another spring day or a junior day. I mean, in March, of course, they'll have visitors for practices as well. Um, but, yeah, it should be fun when March rolls around. But February is actually going to be a pretty quiet time and a time to really focus on some of those other sports, basketball, women's basketball, uh, tennis, um, just the other sports that Baylor has to offer are going to be kind of big over the next month. All right, so uh, anything else before we get in the mailbag here? No, I, I think that's pretty much it for this week. Of course, we'll talk about the other sports more in the coming weeks as baseball gets started as well. But for this week, I think that's probably a, a good place to start. Yeah, but I'm also going to not full-blown deep dives into everything. We will stick mostly basketball, football. But, uh, yeah, we'll have some some time-to-time, time, some baseball sprinkled in. As you mentioned, that gets started here pretty soon. I cover a lot of that in the good, the bad, the ugly every week. Yeah. It's kind of a recap. So if you want some of the, like everything that's going on, then – that's another reason to go sign up in the premium, kind of a weekly roundup of uh, what's going on for volleyball, track, etc. Uh, all right, getting into the mailbag here. Scotty B., what grade would you give the hire of A.J. Stewart and Tyler Hancock for Baylor football? Uh, I'll give A.J. Stewart a B for now. I don't think I know enough about him. I like the hire. I like what he've done, what he's done with the running backs that he has developed, but I don't know enough on the recruiting side quite yet to really know what he's bringing to the table in that department. And they need that with juice uh, leaving the program. Uh, As far as Tyler Hancock goes, that's an A for me. Um, And the reason that's an A is because Baylor addressed a need. They went out, found the best guy for the job to coach an area that they really need to improve on. Um, So I'll give him an A. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll say A's. I, I don't, you know, I don't want to give incompletes here, and I don't want to give failing grades because I mean, I don't know enough about like Tyler Hancock, for example. But yeah, an A on the surface, just because they needed somebody to focus in on special teams, and uh, he fits that bill and answers a big question. And then AJ Stewart, I mean, mentioned it ad nauseum uh, elsewhere, but you know, I really love what he did with Damian Martinez this past season. Uh, who's from Louisville originally, and then uh, also B.J. Baylor prior to that uh, up in Corvallis. So he's had a couple of Texas backs who have really put up great numbers the past two years. And so now back in Texas and uh, with some pretty talented backs, I think, uh, in, in Jeff Grimes' offense, he should have some success. So I'll give that, uh, you know, B-plus, I guess, uh, without knowing, you know, enough about the, the rest of it to uh, to give A-pluses here. We just don't hand out the easy grades no. like that. But, yeah, B-plus on the surface. Uh, do you think Kansas men's basketball loses their fourth straight Saturday against Kentucky on the road? No, I think Kansas beats Kentucky. 
Yeah, I do too. I don't know. I just just saw that question immediately. My thought was, yeah, no, I think Kansas will win this yeah. game. Don't have like some scientific explanation for why, but I think the Jayhawks K- will Kentucky's win. Kentucky's not that good this year, yeah. and I actually, you know, unlike a lot of people, I know Kansas has struggled at times, but I still think Kansas is pretty good. I don't. Think oh no, we're good. all overreacting for sure due yeah. to them not being like perfect on the right, year and in first right. place uh that they'll they'll be just fine the defending the national champions yeah. uh master pierce mph the basketball team felt it was missing something earlier this season do you think drew's tighter rotation or having bonner on the bench and love on the court was what was missing seems like a different energy yeah i mean i think that's a part of it i also think guys are just playing better and maybe it is an energy thing that's possible um, but when you look at caleb loner you look at flo thamba um, Josh O, and then, of course, the emergence of Jalen Bridges and Langston Love when they were not playing very well early in the season. That's really helped. Now, maybe getting Love on the court has helped him. I think that's very, very true. Um, and so I do think the tire rotation has helped, but I also think guys are just getting more acclimated with the season, and they're just playing better. They're playing better basketball. They're playing more physical, and they're just playing faster, uh, it seems. James Taylor won. I'll save everyone from my thousand-word dissertation from last week. Thanks for all y'all do for the site and the podcast. You're good, Thanks. James, and thank you. Uh, who does Baylor need to reach his full potential the most to get the furthest in the tourney, Langston Love or Jalen Bridges? Yeah, this is an easy one for me. It is absolutely Jalen Bridges. Um, Baylor has the guards. It'd be great to have Langston Love coming off the bench and playing well, but Jalen Bridges is kind of the guy that I see on this roster, and I go, they don't really have another guy like him. To be honest, like where it's a long perimeter defender who can also do things off the dribble and knock down threes uh, at six foot seven, six foot eight, they don't really have anyone else like him, and so therefore, I think he's he's a pretty easy answer in my eyes. Yeah, I think I'd go Bridges as well. Man, it's been fun to see him really just kind of grab that spotlight yeah. and and uh, embrace it, and you know, the ending of that Oklahoma that Oklahoma game wasn't the easiest to watch, mm-hmm. but just. You know, two huge threes, um, him and um, Flagler, with Flagler uh, yeah. yeah, was just massive there at the end of the game. Uh, that was awesome to see that. But, yeah, he's he's been great here of late. So, yeah, I will go with Bridges as uh, well. Uh, let's see. Compare and contrast what we are getting in recruiting football IQ and A.J. Stewart versus Juice Johnson. And now the staff has settled. Well, just let's do that first there. Yeah, I mean, I think that they're both good. I don't think that there's a huge difference here, especially because they're going, you know, Stewart's coming in and he's going to be coaching within Jeff Grimes' scheme. So you're still coaching very similar things. Um, but I, I do think that Stewart maybe on the football side could have a leg up on Juice. There's a chance. I think that when you bring in a guy to be an, assist, an associate head coach as well as an RB coach, you're anticipating that he's going to bring a lot to the table. Um, so I do think football IQ-wise, they could, you know, who knows? Maybe he develops guys a little bit better than Juice has. But I don't know if I'm ready to say that because I've seen Juice develop some guys really, really well. Over the last couple of years, I mean, we're talking about taking a converted running or a converted linebacker and turning him into the Big 12's leading rusher in Abram Smith. And then we're talking about him bringing in a freshman who didn't enroll early and turning him into one of the best running backs in the Big 12. Uh, that's a tough act to follow, but I do think A.J. Stewart is more than up for the challenge. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think, you know, there's more than one way to skin a cat. And, you know, I think Juice Johnson was really good at his job, and I think A.J. Stewart can be really good at his job, and there's not that much of a difference. You know, push come to shove, you had to pick one fine, but I think that, you know, you can be just as good and, and potentially better. Um, we'll see. You know, no nothing against against Juice Johnson. He was really good. I think it just remains to be seen on the recruiting side yeah. more than anything on A.J. Stewart. I feel confident on the field. And, you know, I know that Juice has kind of done a few things and – now he's going to be coaching wide receivers, for example, and uh, Stewart. I mean, he's just a running backs coach. Right. I mean, that's what he's been everywhere uh, so far. Rice, BYU, Arizona, Oregon State, all running backs coaches. And Juice played receiver at Houston. Yeah, he didn't play running backs. Stewart's just full blown running backs coach. So, um, you know, most guys, when all said and done, they've coached every single position at one point mm-hmm. or another. But just saying, like that's kind of where Stewart's focus will be. Juice did a great job, but you know, maybe there's a couple things he can he can bring to the table that you know give him that extra little edge. We'll see. But recruiting will really be where I think where the biggest difference is is probably seen. Uh, all right, here. Oh yeah, he also asked what's uh, now the staff has settled. What staff do you think will be better recruiters overall last season or now with all the changes? I mean, I think 
I think it's going to be very similar. I don't think it's going to be too crazy one way or another. Um, I'll take this staff. I do like. I think Christian Robinson is going to be a better recruiter um, than Ron Roberts, and Matthew Pallage will definitely be a better recruiter than Ron Roberts was. Um, and then running backs wise, I think you know right now I think I have to give a slight edge to Juice just because I don't know Stewart's track record recruiting yet as far as what he could bring to the table at a school like Baylor. Um, so I'm going to reserve my judgment on that. But at first glance, I think I'd have to give the edge to Juice. Um, so that means I'm going to take the current staff because I'm in favor of a few more of the guys uh, that they brought in. Uh, Ed Nashville, a couple questions here. If given the choice between Austin Novoside and Sawyer Robertson, who would you choose? Um. That's a great question. I'm going to go, so, see, this is the problem, right? Because if I say any other name. splitting hairs, really, but, like, uh, I mean, I mean, if I don't say Austin, then everyone's going to say, oh, that's just because he went to Oregon, right? And if you Um, say Sawyer, like, it's Homer. It's Homer, right. Um, I'm going to go with immediate future for this year. I think it's undoubtedly Sawyer Robertson. If you're going to talk long-term, then I think we can have more of a discussion about it. Um, but I think initial impact in college, I think Sawyer is more ready to contribute to this Baylor football team and ready to potentially be the starter for this year's football team uh, than Austin would have been. So I'll go Sawyer. I think that's fair, yeah. And I don't think that one's just like so great that you're like, oh, it's it's like, I mean, yeah. let's let's just see. I they think they're pretty similar, really yeah. At I mean, the college level, neither one, yeah. I mean, they're both pretty much in the same spot, just a, a year separated, so. Um, kind of splitting hairs, but yeah, we, we'll see. Uh, check back in like three years and let's see where we are on as far as the comparisons. And it's actually go. two years of separation because he was twenty twenty one. Oh yeah, that's so, right. Yeah, so he's bigger, been in college longer, got coached by Mike Leach. Like he's more ready. Yeah. for this competition than Austin would have been. That's fair. That's fair. And um, yeah, we'll see how they how they do the next couple of years. But I think that that's more than fair. Uh, let's see here. Considering all the transfer portal departures, including Jacob Zeno and the most recent transfer portal arrivals, did we improve the roster or step back or just too early to tell? Thank you. Appreciate your work, Ed. Thank you, Ed. Um, Well, because Zeno transferred a year ago. Maybe he's thinking of... uh, Drones. Drones, yeah, probably drones. Okay, drones. Uh, Yeah, I think they improved the roster. I do. I, you know, long term wise is where the discussion's up for debate, right? Because of Austin, that's where you can have that argument. But I think, again, going back to, I think Blake Shapin is better than he was last year. I think Sawyer Robertson is better than Kyron Drones. And I think RJ Martinez coming in is better than Luke Anthony as far as what he could turn into. I mean, he's a young guy. So I'm going to go with that they improved it. Uh, yeah, I think they've improved it. I, I mean, I don't think that last year was so good that there's even a measuring stick, really, to, to yeah. like a, a huge bar to have to climb. I think to match it's pretty simple, really. So I think that at worst they've, they've matched it, yeah. Um, and at best, I think that they could be could be better overall. I think Blake Shapin better be better next year. And if not, that's problematic, not because it's my demand, but because it's another year. He should be better with a, you know another spring under his belt and with a full season of starting games. He should be better next year. Um, so, you know, if he's better, uh, like you said, Martinez comes in with a lot of experience uh, or with a, with a good amount of experience. And then, um, and then Sawyer Robertson is basically, yeah. I mean, if you'd flipped him out and you said instead it's Austin Novoside and it's some version of Luke Anthony, which would be some version of RJ Martinez, really. Like, again, it's kind of splitting hairs. It's all about the the same in the wash. But I think across the board, maybe with some of the issues that you had last year as far as chemistry or leadership or whatever, I think some of that's been rooted out just by graduation or the transfer portal. You brought in some guys that knowing that that's your focus and that's where you have to get better, you've been able to kind of key in on those areas. So not saying it because it's new team, let's get, you know, fully on board, but I, I think you look at all the areas they needed to address, the quarterback room, the coaching staff, the roster depth. I mean, they've hit all of it, basically. I mean, outside of needing another corner and maybe another O-lineman or something, they've pretty much done every single thing on the checklist that they needed to do, and I'll, I'll, I want to give them a lot of credit for that yeah. because it's been all done in about – it has five weeks time. They had a lot of areas to address. Oh my gosh! That. I mean, this was. I remember a where wild we were spring. like Christmas time and all the stuff that was going on, and not to you know 
right after signing day and how that felt. And, yeah, yeah just a terrific job by the staff. So, yeah, I'll, I'll say based on all of that, they're in a better position. I think their headspace has got to be better um, as well, just knowing what they accomplished and, and the changes that they made. Um, Stacy had a response to, uh, to Ed here about uh, the quarterback question. Let's go to Popal Bear. When we lost Dabney to injury in 2022, our offense seemed to be less dynamic in the 12 personnel sets. With the wide receiver room slated to be a bigger threat in 23, do you expect less 12 personnel sets and more spread offense with pocket passing? Thank you, Popal Bear. Yeah, I mean, the injury definitely hurt this offense. They really needed Dabney and Sims to be healthy, yeah. but they went out and added Jake Roberts, which as was the tight end transfer from North Texas. So you have him, you have Dabney, and you have Kelsey Johnson a year older. I still think we're going to see 12 personnel sets, and I think they should run that. But now your two outside receivers are Keetron Jackson and Hal Presley, who's a year older. you got to be feeling really good about that in my eyes. Now, I do think they might spread it out a little bit more, but they did that this year too. I, I just think it's going to be what they see from the defense each week. Um, and, you know, they might want to spread out more because that would allow them to get Monterey Baldwin and Jordan Neighbors on the field as well. Um, and so that could be beneficial too. But I, I, I don't think they're going away from it is my point. They went out, added a tight end specifically for this, and so they're going to be able to come out and do very similar things that they did at the beginning of this past season with that run game the wide zone offense the play action with the tight ends on the field uh, it'll be really fun to watch yeah no I think the tight ends still going to be heavily involved and, and you're definitely going to see more than one on the field at various times especially if, if Drake Dabney's healthy I mean yeah. him and Kelsey Johnson out there and some former variation or Jake Roberts and Jake yeah. Roberts now you add into the mix and and you've got the young guys that it, so I mean the way they've recruited they're not moving away from it and I think they added two more tight ends in the 2023 yeah. class who both enrolled early Mladenka and well, uh, Klopfenstein and Polly right and but then Mladenka before that before, and so yeah. you've I mean look that we just railed off like seven names so I yeah I don't think the focus is shifting away from from the tight ends at all I, I understand where you're coming from mm-hmm. though but no I definitely think given how they've filled out that room that there's you know plenty of intent on on sticking to having a couple out there uh, at any given time and certainly just Jeff Grimes's background uh, they're going to be utilizing the the tight ends blocking and in receiving game um, you know as much as, as humanly possible so yeah I definitely think that that's still going to be part of their their bread and butter uh, and just hope Drake Dabney can come back fully healthy because yeah. I think he was really on his way to potentially having a really good year, and then that got cut short. It did allow, though, for you know some other guys like Kelsey Johnson to, to see more time, and I think that will be beneficial. But you lose Ben Sims, and uh, that'll be you know that'll be a loss, but I don't know how significant it has to be necessarily. I think Roberts helps alleviate that yeah. guy who has production at the college level. I'll also say once they lost Abney, it was it really hurt their offense mm-hmm. a lot. Like they they yep. really did a lot better when they had the option to go to more twelve personnel sets, and they like Kelsey Johnson as well, but he fills a different role than um, Dabney and Roberts do. And I think that's, Papa, what's exciting about next year is you're going to have a full-blown tight end room that's bursting at the seams with talent that you can rely on, but your running back room's pretty healthy now with Dominic Richardson coming in and kind of weeding out, you know, Squirrel and kind of knowing where your focus is now. Um, I, th- I mean, like, on, like I love Squirrel, man, but just not having to play the if-he's-available game every single week's got to be... Well, and getting a, a, stress a true relief. power back with Dom Richardson, getting a huge. you know getting a a big addition in, in Dom Richardson and what Richard Reese did and what Quaylen Jones did and you know we'll see as far as some of the young guys go. They got to sort out you know Jordan Jenkins and Kyan Roberts Day yeah. and those guys, but uh, and then receiver Bryce they got in Washington quarterback too. room got better, receiver room got better, tight end room got better, running back room got better. O line's a question mark just because of you know how many guys they're replacing, but. They've you know added the Barrington brothers and they could still add more. So I just I think offensively they're going to have there's a lot of clay to play with that's exciting for yeah. for next year potentially. And I'm eyeing the offensive line going forward. I do think they could make one more addition. We've talked. I've mentioned yeah. center ad nauseum. I still think an addition could be made there before the season starts. So thank you, Papa uh, ZT Smith four twenty three. And oh by the way, on um, on Stacy's comment, she was just reacting to, to Ed's question. Uh, really, um, but she was talking about the uh, 
quarterbacks and basically said can't wait for spring ball which i'm right there with you especially running down kind of the additions they've made that's going to be a lot of fun so stacy do appreciate your contributions in the uh the mailbag section as well as et smith how hard is it to eval you wait a high school recruit solely on film does a coach pretty much have to get measurables and times before they offer or is there ever a case where they see the film and offer yeah so i mean it it's kind of difficult because you really would like to get specific measurables, how tall, how long, how fast, how, you know, just kind of everything. You want to get the full um, kind of evaluation of the guy's athletic ability. And that makes it tough because just watching film, you can't always tell how fast someone is. Um, at least track time, like speed specific speed wise how fast are the guys that he's running against how fast is the competition like those things matter a ton um now if you're talking baylor specific measurables are a big part of it but also like the person over player thing is real like they don't offer guys unless they've talked to either um the coach of the player or the player himself like they just don't they want to know that it's a full package type deal for any player that they offer, and that's worked out really well for them. And I think that's going to continue to be the trend. There are other schools, though, that are fine with just watching the film and offering. Like, it's just different mindsets. Um, and so that's kind of where things are. I will say that most programs nowadays are leaning more towards we need specific measurables in times before we just throw an offer out for film. That that usually that that can happen, but there are rare cases where you can just watch the film and go, "Hey, that guy's really good. I think we need to offer him and try to offer him before others do." Yeah, I mean, there's definitely times you see a guy in film and you need more information. Yeah, you know, because uh, you know, it might be the competition they're playing or just you know how it looks based on the camera or whatever. But yeah, you want to go see him up close and personal, or at least get some some real deal, you know, measurable. So you know, like. No, he's he's not five nine as it appears. He's no five right. eleven. Oh, he's five eleven. Boom, offer you know kind of thing. Or but, he's listed at five eleven. And on he's the really high school's five nine. Ratings. Yeah, five nine five eight. <laughs> right. So yeah, you need to double check on that and get the proper measurements. But um, yeah, I think it just all kind of can kind of depend. And and certainly lots of offers start with just simply seeing the film and and going from there. Uh, but ZT, hopefully that answered your question. Uh, do appreciate you as always uh, in the mailbag and appreciate Papa. And Stacy and Ed and James and Master Pierce and Scotty B as well for your questions this week. Uh, Grayson, anything before we go here? Um, nothing really. I, I think that this is, you know, it's been a good week. And for basketball, excited to watch them play Arkansas on Saturday, see if they can continue this winning streak and see if women's basketball can get things going. And, of course, if you're not on the premium side, this weekend's a big one. I'm going to have uh, tons of guests in the studio for Junior Day. Um, junior Day is going to be a lot of fun as well. Um, a lot of impactful guys going to be on campus for this Baylor program as they could, you know, a bunch of them could be future Bears. So just something to keep an eye on going forward if you're not a premium subscriber. Also be sure to check out 365 Sports Radio Monday through Friday, 3 to 6. Uh, Craig, you'll be on there later today. Yep, I'll talk to you guys and gals at 3 o'clock, uh, as always, Monday through Friday at 3, as he mentioned, on the YouTube channel and uh, on Sikkim365.com as well. We do appreciate you. Uh, the BearCast every Tuesday at noon is where you can find us. And then, uh, as we mentioned, 3 o'clock for the uh, regular show, Monday through Friday as well. Thanks to Garrett Ross behind the scenes for producing and making everything happen for us. Uh, appreciate Jack McKenzie as well. And uh, also thanks to Grayson Grunhafer. As you mentioned, you can check out all the build-up and lead-up and rumors and all that good stuff, predictions when it comes to, to Junior Day over on the premium section of Sikkim365.com. Check out basketball. Plenty of coverage there from Kendall Cout and Ashley Hodge and everybody. And always constant chatter about football, uh, not only uh, for Baylor, but Big 12 and beyond as well. And just as we're doing the show, I've seen all sorts of college football notes like Josh Heupel just signed an extension. Uh, you know, Oklahoma State hired a defensive coordinator, so I'm sure there's some, some chatter about that as well. But uh, if you're a Baylor fan in particular, check that out, uh, the Sikkim365.com premium section. Until next time, for Grayson and for Garrett and for Jack, I'm Craig Smoke. Talk to you later. This has been the BearCast on Sikkim365.com.